you so much for being here. What a powerful worship this morning. Um, we have started something new. You uh, witnessed it just a second ago. Uh, for this month, we're trying out something to see if it works. We love having our children in here worshiping with us. So we want them to be here at the beginning, and then uh, about the offering time, we'll dismiss them to go be with Miss Leslie over there with the children's worship. So bear with us as we kind of work through that and see how that works and see if it fits uh, what we're trying to do as we love on our children and, and try to help them uh, be a part of worship with us. If you have your Bible this morning, I pray that you do. Would you turn to Psalm, the 40th chapter, please? Uh, the book of Psalms, we will look at Psalm 40, uh, verse 3, here in just a moment. We've been working through a series called Worship the King, uh, and we've been talking a, a little bit uh, a few Sundays ago. It's been kind of interrupted here and there, but that's all right. We've been talking about what does it mean to worship, the definition, the understanding of worship, and then how do we prepare for worship is what we talked about last time. This morning, I want to share with you about the power of worship, the power of real, authentic worship, and what happens when we come together as a body of believers and are able to worship uh, the King, uh, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, in spirit and truth. Um, I, I've been studying a lot for this morning, uh, and I hope it doesn't overwhelm you or me as I deliver this morning what I so desperately want to share with you what the, the Lord has taught me. Uh, there's, there's several things that you can look at. It, I've been fascinated as I've studied in, in preparation about um, what different scholars say are, are the biggest commands, the most often referred to commands in the scripture and there's some disagreement and a lot of it has to do with uh, different translations and how they word different things one of the things that people will find most amazing is that the probably the one of the biggest commands that the Lord gives to us is uh, to fear him uh, it says fear God and, and that is mentioned uh, multiple times in the scripture in fact most of the references that I, I found to uh, see it being said at least 60 to 70 times where the, the Lord tells us to fear him. Actually, the, the most overreaching command that the Lord gives us is what he tells us over and over again, which is we are to obey, obey all his commands. And so the most often command that's given to us as believers is where in Scripture over two to 300 times it says that we are called to obey his commands. But in between... Fear God and obey all his commands, the most uh, spoken to command in between one and three is number two. And do you know that it says that we are to praise God? Uh, that's the command that he mentions to us uh, right after the command to obey all his commands. The most often referred to command after that is fear, uh, is to praise God. So with all our hearts, what we just did for the last 20 or 25 minutes was we were obedient to God. Uh, we sang out and we praised God. And that's what he calls us to do. Now, in the, in the midst of studying and preparing for this, I, I came across some quotes that I, I just could not go without sharing with you. So there's two or three that I want to share with you that really direct our hearts and help us to understand what worship was about. One is by A.W. A. Tozer, who is a famous theologian, and he says this, without worship, 
we go about miserable. Without worship, we go about miserable. And I, and I have to tell you that I find that to be true. Uh, when, when we as a people do not worship God, we will be miserable people, especially those of us who know him. But if you look at the world that does not worship God, the world is a miserable place, uh, full of miserable people. And the reason is because they don't know the God that we know, and they don't worship the God that we worship. But here's where my struggle comes in. Um, that's what we expect out of the world. That's what the scripture teaches us that the world is going to be like. Scripture teaches us that the world is miserable. It's dying and going to hell because it does not know God and does not worship God. But what frightens me is those of us who know God and who choose not to worship him. Uh, it, it's a struggle for me and, and You'll bear with me as I share this with you, but it, it's a struggle for me to think that people don't want to get up on Sunday morning and come down to be with the family of God and worship God. What, is, what does it say about us as believers if we're the kind of people who get up on Sunday morning and say, well, I can live with it or I can live without it? It says to us that we don't understand the God that we worship. We don't realize the power of who he is and, and the wonderfulness of who he is. Because every morning we should get up excited to worship God. And on Sunday morning we should get up totally excited to come down and be with believers and worship God. Listen to what Bob Coughlin said. He, he wrote a book about worship. Probably not heard that name. I have only read one or two of his books. But I love what he said about worship here. Listen, he says, we are not refugees looking for an escape. We are wounded and weary so soldiers who need rest and rehabilitation so we can go back into the battle. People who worship for escape do not know what true worship is, and they are wasting their time. True worship, authentic worship, should lead to personal enrichment and enablement the kind of spiritual strength that helps the believer carries the burden and fights the battles of life. Listen, I, I, I believe this with all my heart. I, I know Sunday morning some of us come here and we think, boy, I just need to escape the world for a minute. But that's really not why we come to worship on Sunday morning. We don't come to escape the world. Do you know why Bob Coughlin puts it so well and what I believe we come Sunday morning as soldiers who have been in battle and we come here not to escape, but we come here to re-energize and recharge ourselves because tomorrow morning you're going back out to the world again and you're going to fight the battle. And so today you're not here to get away from the world. Today you're here to prepare to tackle what the world will give you Monday through Friday. You have all the time in the world to rest when the Lord calls you home. You can rest and escape, and the Lord will take you to heaven to be with him, and you can escape all of it then. But today you come here to re-energize yourself, to recharge yourself, to, to understand the weapons that you need to go back out Monday through Friday, Friday to fight the battle that you're about to be in. Very last quote by another author you may not have heard of, but I, I love him. His name is Herbert Bateman. And this is what he said about authentic worship. Listen, he said, authentic worship is not a commodity. 
It's not a preoccupation with luring people into our service. And it's not a preoccupation with satisfying or appeasing gener generational likes and dislikes. Authentic worship is first and foremost about God. You know what, what he's saying? Can, can I re-paraphrase that for you? When we worship on Sunday morning, we don't do things to make sure that we're making everybody happy. Um, you know, it's, it's not about trying to, to uh, please the millennials or make sure uh, that my generation, the boomers or the busters or anybody else's generation is satisfied. Uh, we don't gear our music to make sure that some segment of the population is going to be happy. And we don't dress a certain way or look a certain way or sit a certain way or stand a certain way or do anything else a certain way. What we do when we come to worship is we come to honor God and that's it. Everything else just falls into place if that's what we do and we do it correctly. Now, trust me, I, I get totally that some of you like country western and I get I completely understand that some of you like praise and worship, and I completely understand that some of you wish we would pull the hymnal out and sing out the hymnal every day when we meet. But the truth is, no matter whether we sing this way or sing country western, we pull out the hymnal or anything else, if your heart's not tuned in to the fact that you want to worship God, no matter how we sing or what we're doing, you're missing the boat completely. And that's the truth. That's the gospel truth. Now, Understanding kind of where I believe that the Lord wants to teach us about the power of authentic worship and what's involved. I, I want you to turn to Psalm 43. You, you're probably already there. I asked you to do it a minute ago. But if you haven't, turn there. Because this is kind of where I want to pull the scripture out this morning. We're just going to look at three things, but really two elements that are involved in worship. And that's it. We're going to take those two elements and we're going to look at them. Uh, in, in three different ways. It, it, it'll make sense, hopefully, to you in just a second. But before you do that, uh, Mark's back there, and I hope he's got that video that I want to show you. I want to show you a, a video and explain it to you. It, don't panic. It's only 20 seconds long. But I, I want you to see this. This is uh, pretty cool if we can get it to work. Mark, can you get it to work? There's some volume with that, but there it is. And there you see a group of people going down. Uh, this was two years ago on our last mission trip to Laos. And, and this is a waterfall uh, that you can tell uh, the power and the strength of, of this waterfall. Uh, what's amazing to me about this waterfall and uh, where you can get down to the bottom, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy in Laos. Uh, there's probably about 15 to 20 people there. If this waterfall was in the States, uh, there would be thousands and thousands, and you would pay lots of money to go look at this because of the majesty of this thing and, and how incredibly awesome it is. Thanks, Mark, for showing that. Um, what, what I want you to kind of get a grasp of by, by looking at that, and, and 
this Friday, and I'll tell you this in just a few minutes again, but this Friday there will be seven of us that are leaving to go and, and we'll be in the, in the location of that waterfall, possibly even get to, to see that waterfall again. But what, what I want you to grasp out of that picture and that understanding of that waterfall is because I have seen it and because Laura and I have seen it, uh, I can't wait to take the group that I'm taking this Friday. And my prayer is that they will get to see that waterfall because of the awesomeness of it, because of the majesty of it, because of the greatness of it, and because it's, it's not uh, celebrated like we celebrate things here. Um, we just returned from California last week, and my, uh, we, we have some friends who uh, went to Yosemite to try to go to, into Yosemite. And when they tried to get into Yosemite, when they got to the park, they found out that there was a five-hour wait to get into Yosemite Park. You had, to, you had to park your car and wait in line for five hours to be able to even gain entrance into the park. This waterfall in Laos, when, when we pulled in there, there's no charge for parking. Uh, there's no charge for the entrance fee to get in to go look at it. And when you get in to go look at it, it's basically uh, in, in its pristine condition, just like it was for hundreds and hundreds of years. They've only built a few kind of ramshackle steps to get down in a place where you can go stand out where I was taking that video from out on a point where you can see the majesty of it. Well, that's, that's my heart when I see something that incredible to want to share it with other people. Uh, that's, that's part of, of my desire when we go. It's certainly, you know, the, the main reason that we're going and, and the ultimate reason that we'll go to Southeast Asia is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when you go, you want to go look at the majesty of God too. And you want to see the awesomeness of God. Well, look at Psalm 43. This is David. And, and we'll, we'll start with verse 1, but we're going to hammer on verse 3. Listen to what David says in verse 1, Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. Now listen. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see in fear, and they will put their trust in the Lord. Let me share with you what I think David is teaching us about worship here. I think he's teaching us there's two elements to worship, and we can find them in these passages. You know, in, in the book of Psalm alone, Singing and praising God is mentioned 68 times. It's got to be Ryan's favorite book in the whole Bible because all it talks about is singing and praising God. But when you look at what he says here, he says that he put a new song in my mouth. So let me give you the two elements that we find here about worship. One is this. There is a joy of celebration that's directed toward God. 
I mean, that's, that's what David's saying here. He put a new song in my mouth in a hymn of praise to our God. I, I love the fact that it says it was a new song. It was fresh. It was like the first time. Listen, I'll never forget the first date that I had with Laura. And it, it was the most exciting date that I ever had in my life. And, and I'll never forget that. It was amazing to me how it reflects in my mind because I was standing somewhere and I don't remember where, but yesterday or the day before yesterday, uh, I was standing in a group of people and somebody started talking about going uh, to a, a play. They had just recently gone to a play to see it and they talked about how much they liked it. And they, the, I said, what play did you go see? And he said, well, I went and saw Fiddler on the Roof. And I immediately went, oh, my gosh, that's the very first date I ever had with Laura. And I really didn't care what his experience was at Fiddler on the Roof or anything else. Because the only thing that flooded back into my mind was that was the first date that I ever had with Laura. Well, this is what David is teaching us here, and this is what you and I have to learn to grasp, that every time you come into this building, it's like the first date you ever had with God. You know, the, the scripture talks about restoring me the joy of my salvation. Well, what should you do every Sunday morning when you come in here to worship God? You should be restored in the joy of your salvation. Uh, I will rely on you, God. You should sing that not like, I'm going to rely on you, God. Maybe, maybe not. I don't care. Ryan wants us to sing it. I will put my trust in you. That should not be how you approach your worship. Your worship should be, oh my gosh, you remember the first time I ever met the Lord? He taught me that I could rely on Him. And then my mind flashes back to all these moments in my life where I've relied on God, where I've placed my trust in God. And so all of a sudden, when all those things are flooding your mind, you're just singing, Woo, I can rely on you, God. I can put my trust in you. This is a new song for me today. I can sing it again today just like I sang it the very first time I ever sang it, just like the very first time I ever met you, because I put my faith in you and I put my hope in you. Listen, it, it's not easy to practice in your marriage any more than it's easy to practice on Sunday morning. But I still like taking Laura out on dates. Um, that's still a joy for me. And if you're married, it should still be a joy for you. Because that's part of what keeps your marriage fresh, alive, and new. <laughs> I have to tell you this. Friday night, we were at Waco. We were with the, with the students. And we had done the brother's keeper thing, and we'd help feed, you know. And, and I, you just have to understand my heart. But, <laughs> I, you know, the, the pastor in me was thrilled to be there and thrilled to see our students working and, and thrilled to be a part of it. And, and they had done all this work, and they, they had really served well. Clint had spoken, and Greg had spoken, and, and they were all finished. And, and we were walking out to go get in the vans, and a bunch of them started saying, hey, Clint's taking us to go get ice cream. Do you want to go get ice cream with us? And I was going, man, that sounds really good. Ice cream sounds really good. And I, but I remembered part of the reason that I wanted to go to Waco, and one of the reasons that I wanted to go to Waco was to see our students and revel in what God was doing them. 
But part of the reason I wanted to go to Waco is because I wanted to have a date with my wife. I hadn't had a date with my wife in a while. So I remember I turned, I can't remember who it was, but I turned to the, it was a young man, I, I turned to him and said, I'd really like to go get ice cream with you, but I've got a date with my wife tonight, and that's where I'm going. And he looked at me like, what? <laughs> you know, like, why would you want to go on a date when you can go get ice cream with us, you know? And I said, one day you're going to figure this out. <laughs> but for right now, you need to know I'm going to go love on Laura, and we're going to go on a date. And so that's what we did. That's what David is teaching us about worship. He's teaching us that it's a new song. It's fresh. It's like the very first time every Sunday you walk in here. That's how you worship. And the other thing that's the part of this is that it's full of praise. It's a, it's a, thong, a song of thanks. We come to the Lord and we give him our song of praise and thanks. Have you ever wondered why most songs, in fact, almost every song that we sing is not and I, Ryan, you'll have to forgive me and any of you, Brittany, and any of you, rest of you that understand music. But, you know, there's, there's different uh, chords and understandings of music, and I don't understand them all. But I know you can make a chord that sounds happy, and you can make a chord that sounds like we're going down, you know, for a funeral. And we don't ever come here and really sing dredgy, you know, dingy, frustrating, you know, gripey songs, uh, you know, the, you know the, the country western songs that say, you know, kick the dog and, you know, you know, drink the beer and cheat on your wife and let's get out of here. We don't come and sing those songs here because that's not the God we worship. You know, the God you worship has never disappointed you. You may think he has, but he hasn't. I can promise you because scripture is replete with understanding over and over again that the God we worship loves you and serves you and wants the very best for you. So understanding that, why would we want to come here and sing about, oh, our, our frustrating God that just frustrated us today and that, you know, frustrated us this past week? We're not going to do that. When we come, we're going to sing songs of praise and songs of thanks and songs of how awesome our God is because he puts a new song in our heart. So that's the first element. It's the understanding of the joy of celebration. Look at the second element. It's a proclamation to the world. Look, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Oh my gosh, do you understand what that is saying? That means that the person who's sitting in this room today that does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior should have been sitting in here today and watching you sing and watching me sing, watching you right now even taking notes and listening, watching me and listening to me as I share what the Lord has put onto my heart. And they should be saying to themselves, what in the world do those people have? Where do they get this joy from? Where do they get this love for each other from? They, they should be looking at us and going, I don't know what they have, but whatever they have is what I want. That's what David is saying here in Psalm 43. He's saying many will see in fear. There should be people sitting in here today going, Holy, holy Lord, who is this God that they worship? He is an awesome God 
And he makes me want to be a part of this worship experience with them. It, have you ever thought about this before? Laura and I got to talking about this this past week when we were talking with some friends. Uh, because part of what I wanted to explain to you today is that there's two things that should happen, in, and they're in these two elements. The fact that you celebrate directed toward God, and then you proclaim to the world. That's the two elements that David is showing us. You know, we celebrate God, and then we proclaim to the world with our voices. Well, the, the two elements that are going on are, are, are a horizontal element and then a vertical element. Uh, it's kind of what Ryan was preaching at the end of his life when he was talking about elevate, how we elevate. And our, our lives should be directed toward the Lord. And so when you come in, and this is the thing that Ryan has tried to teach you, and I'm certainly going to try and teach you all of my days, but when you come in to, to sing to the Lord, you, you know, I have people tell me all the time, well, I don't have that good a voice. Well, who cares? Because you're not singing for me, and you're not singing for Ryan, you're not singing for anybody else up here on the stage, you're not singing for your spouse, you're not singing for your children. You are supposed to be vertically singing to the Lord. That's what's supposed to be going on here. And then when you do that, when you proclaim God's goodness through your face and through your voice and everything, everything transfers horizontally. So that the people, I know this is crazy, but I'm, you have to trust me on this because this is what the scripture teaches. Even with your crummy voice, the people sitting next to you are going, well, holy cow, they don't sing very well, but they sure love the Lord. I like that. I like that they're singing to God. And, and that's what I trust. Trust me. People that are sitting next to me when I'm singing, that's what they're doing. They're going, gosh, he doesn't sing very well. Thankfully, he can preach a little bit. But they're saying, I sure like the way he loves the Lord. And more importantly, hopefully, they're seeing the Lord in my life. And the truth is, what the person sitting next to you really believes doesn't matter as long as you're praising God. Because he's the ultimate audience. He's the one you're listening to. Do you know that's the same thing that occurs in a wedding service? Um, almost everything spiritually, and you need to begin to wrap your mind about around this, almost everything spiritually has a horizontal and a vertical dimension. That's just the way it is. Right. We're going to point to the cross, and there's not a cross in here. We have to change that. There needs to be a cross in here. <laughs> Picture a cross for just a second. But there, there's a vertical element to the cross and a horizontal element to the cross. Almost everything works. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Mark, you're very quick. Way to go. The, the vertical element and the horizontal element of the cross. Get it? I mean, you need to start looking for this in, in your spiritual walk. Um, when, when you perform, uh, you don't perform, but when I perform a wedding ceremony, um, I'll, I'll stand in front of the couple and I'll say, uh, do you promise to love them in sickness and health till death do you part? Okay, those, those are, are the vows. But listen to me, usually uh, uh, somebody who's performing a wedding will do two sets of vows and you'll turn to the groom and say, do you promise to take her uh, and to love her as your wife and do you promise to have and hold her from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, and sickness and health till death do you part. And the 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 uh, groom or the wife or the, the will say, "I will," 
or I do. That's, you're, you're very familiar with that part of a wedding ceremony. But probably what most of you missed out on, and Laura pointed out to me, uh, Tim Keller wrote it in his book called, uh, uh, what's the book called, Laura? Where's Laura at? The Meaning of Marriage, thank you. Um, the Meaning of Marriage, he wrote uh, that when a couple speaks back to the minister, I, I'm standing as a representative of God. I Certainly, you understand, I'm not God. But I'm a representative of God. So when, when I challenge a couple and they say back to me, I do or I will, what they're doing is making a vertical vow to God. They're not promising me that they're going to love each other and care for each other. I mean, I'm thankful that they're going to do that, and I hope that I'm the one who can hold them accountable to a certain extent. But they're making their vow before an almighty God. And, and that's the one they're promising. That's the vertical understanding of what's going on in a wedding. After that, then the couple makes vows to each other. And that's the horizontal understanding of what's going on in a wedding. So do you get it over and over again? The Lord is pointing to us vertically and horizontally. We come in here to worship, and we come in here to celebrate and praise His name, and that's our vertical understanding of worship, but then we come in here also to proclaim His name, and that's our horizontal understanding of worship. Let me share with you real briefly as we just kind of finish up. There's, there's two products of worship, okay? There's two elements, but there's two products of, of worship too. The first is this, the spirit, spiritually lost are drawn to Christ. Um, the, you know, the scripture says in, in John 12, 32, if he is lifted up, all men will be drawn to him. So what's, what's my job? What's, what's our job on Sunday mornings? Well, certainly I hope you understand that my job is not to entertain you. Uh, that's not Ryan's job. That's not anybody's job on Sunday morning is to entertain you. My job is to lift up the name of Jesus every Sunday morning. Now, I do it in different ways, and I hope that in those ways you find them uh, satisfying, that you find them encouraging, that you find them strengthening. And I'll use different things like um, pictures of waterfalls to help us visually begin to understand the power of God, and all those kinds of things. But in the ultimate end, your job and my job as believers in Jesus Christ and our ministry is to lift up the name of Jesus. Because if we lift up the name of Jesus, it says that people will be drawn to him. Now that, that word lift uh, can be translated exalt. And, and I really like that even better. If we exalt the name of Jesus, and that's what we try to do when we worship, uh, when we sing, when we speak, we are going to try to lift up and exalt the name of Jesus. I, I like what William Booth said. William Booth, if you don't recognize that name, he was the founder of the Salvation Army. And he said this, If a church was on fire for God, people would come from miles around to watch it burn. And that's the truth. If, if our church was on fire for God, people would be drawn for miles and miles and miles around because they would want to see it burn. You think about how you are when you drive up on an accident or you see something unbelievable, even like that waterfall. I mean, I want to take other people to see it. 
And if this church, if Holly Springs can become a church that's on fire for the Lord. Now listen, uh, I, I have to couch this carefully because I want you to hear me saying this. I think God is doing great things here. And I'm not uh, spanking anybody. I'm, I'm not telling anybody that they're doing anything wrong here. In fact, I think we're doing some amazing things for the kingdom right now. But we are only scratching the surface of what the Lord wants us to do. And the biggest fear that I have as a gospel pastor uh, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we'll look at 10 baptisms last Sunday and look at the celebration we had last Sunday and go, boy, we can sit back and put this on cruise control now because everything is looking really good. You know what? I'm thankful for 10, but we need to do 15. And then we need to do 20. And then we need to do 30. And then one Sunday, uh, we, we were close last Sunday. We ain't there yet, but we're getting there. We need to have one Sunday where we'll just come, we'll just sing, we'll baptize, and we'll all go home. And we'll all be thrilled. Because you'll say, well, we didn't have to listen to him preach. That was a great thing. Uh, that would, should lead all of you to go out and share the gospel. Because we will, we will uh, sing and we'll baptize and we'll celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ. So here, here's the two products when we do the two elements of worship. First is this, spiritually lost or drawn to Christ. And the second is this, believers are sent out with passion to share their faith. Um, here's the question that I've got to ask you. And here's the question that I have to ask myself every morning when I get up and look at myself in the mirror. And that's this, who, who am I telling about? Who, who am I talking to about Jesus? When's the last time I, I told anybody about the Jesus I worship? Now, here's the good news. The, the good news is you can talk about your church when you talk about Jesus. I believe with all my heart that Jesus loves this church. So sometimes when somebody gets up and, and begins to talk to you about Jesus, you can, or begins to talk to you just about what's happened in their week, you can begin to talk to them about what's happened to you with your week, but you can get, begin to talk to them about who your Jesus is and, and how much he loves you. I love what it says in Isaiah 6, 1 through 8, and I, I'm not going to read through all that scripture, but write it down and go home and look at it, just like I hope you will go home and look at John 12, uh, 32, where it says, if we lift up the Lord and exalt the Lord, that he'll draw all men to us. Well, Isaiah 6 to 1 through 8 is a passage that you'd be very familiar with. It, it's, it talks about how uh, he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the, the train of his robe filled the room. You, you know that scripture? We sing that song sometimes. At the very end of it, do you know what it says? At the very end of it, it says, Here am I, Lord, send me. That's what it says after that beautiful passage of uh, being, the Lord being described in all his majesty. And it, to me, that's the picture of what Sunday morning should look like. The picture of Sunday morning should look like, man, we saw the Lord in all his glory. Uh, this morning we, we met as a body of believers and we worshiped him and we saw him and he was amazing. And as soon as I say the last amen and as soon as you turn to walk out that door, you should be saying to yourself, here I am, Lord, send me. Let me go tell somebody about what I saw this morning. Let me, let me tell somebody about how I worship an almighty God this morning. Let me, let me be the one who you put in my path, somebody who I can tell Jesus about. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I think 
I do this, and I think most of us do this, which is, boy, I love the Lord. Please don't bring anybody to talk to me about God. Can you send them to somebody else? Because I don't know what I would say, and I don't know what I would do. Listen, I've been to... <laughs> Graduated high school, I went to a Baptist college and took Old Testament, New Testament, and Christian doctrine. After that, I went to seminary and studied three years in seminary, and I took some of my favorite books in the Bible I studied. I studied James, and I studied 1 Corinthians, I studied Ephesians, and then I took all kinds of classes, personal evangelism, corporate evangelism. I took all kinds of classes to help me to become the man that I am today and hopefully the pastor that I am today. But I want you to know that I have the same fear that you do. It's it's a struggle for me to say, send somebody to me. But I'm telling you, that's what the Lord is asking us to do. You cannot get around what it says in Isaiah, where it says, here am I, Lord, send me. Friday morning, seven of us will get on a plane and we'll go to Southeast Asia and we'll go to share the gospel for seven days in Southeast Asia. It'll take us two days to get there and a full day to get back. Laura and I and two other precious people from Holly Springs Baptist Church will go with three college students that uh, I help mentor and love on, and we'll go uh, to Southeast Asia and spend a week there loving on people and telling them about Jesus. Um, but, you know, it's, it's hard. It's, I'm, I'm not going to tell you it's easy. I'm, I'm not going to tell you that it's a cakewalk. But the truth is what the word tells us is that we are believers and that the Lord loves us. And because he sacrificed so much for us, we have to be willing to sacrifice for him. And because of that, the scripture says, here am I, Lord, send me. And so there's nobody within the sound of my voice in this room this morning who can say, I'm out doesn't include me, doesn't mean me, I'll work in the kitchen, I'll, I'll change baby diapers, but please don't make me uh, tell other people about Jesus. I can't exclude you from that. And most importantly, the Lord will not exclude you from that. Now, you may not be the greatest. I, I'm certainly not the greatest. I stumble and mumble and fumble every time I go to share my faith, but I don't care because one day it won't matter who I stumbled in front of or fumbled in front of or looked silly in front of, if I was honest about my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and did the best I can, then the Lord will honor what I've done. What he won't honor is for us to hide and not share what God has done for us. Look, finish up real quick here. Um, you know, we, we understand the elements of what worship is and we understand what the product then the question has to be, how do we respond? Well, this, this is how you respond according to what the Scripture teaches. The first thing is this. You have to come ready to celebrate the Savior. Remember, we talked about this last week when we talked, or a few weeks ago, pardon me, when we talked about how do you prepare to worship. Well, you, you come ready. Uh, you, you have to come completely ready to worship. So your heart has to be right. You have to get your mind right. Uh, you have to be prayed up and ready to go. I told you this, and I'm going to tell you again. Every Sunday morning when we're driving here, uh, when we get to Appleby, it's the trigger in Laura's mind to start praying that we would have an amazing Sunday and that God would speak through all of us and use all of us. My encouragement to you is I would love to see every one of us 
find a trigger, a place when you're driving this way that it just clicks in your mind and you say, okay, here we are. I'm praying for uh, this Sunday morning and for what God's going to do at Holly Springs. Man, I, I would love to think that everybody driving this way is praying over what's getting ready to happen on Sunday morning at Holly Springs. So you come ready to celebrate. The other thing is you leave telling about the Savior. That, that's going to be the product of the worship. You, know, you come ready, and then you, you, you leave telling about the Savior. You know, I, I thought about this, and, and this is the challenge that, that I kind of wanted to leave you with. Um, you, you're going to go to work tomorrow if you're like most people. Uh, you're going to go to work tomorrow, and, and you're going to talk about what you did this weekend. That's just, it's just human nature. I mean, I do that all the time when I see people. I've got a meeting with a, with a, college, a former college student in the morning, and I can almost promise you the first words out of our mouths are going to be, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Wouldn't it be amazing if we began to put into practice uh, a different animal than the world does? Because most of us, honestly, most of us would say, like me, I would probably say, well, I drove to Waco, and we saw our kids, and uh, they, they were on a mission trip in Waco, and then Laura and I went to Austin on Saturday. We had some good friends who were having a gender reveal, and we saw them, and they told about, you know, they, they, we found out they're going to have a little boy, and we celebrated that, and then we drove back home. Isn't that crazy? But that's probably what I would say. And you know Think about that. That's probably what you would do too. But if you think about that, what I said was, hey, how was your weekend? And I said, well, Friday I did this and Saturday I did this. And now I'm meeting with you. And I'm the pastor. I mean, you'd think of anybody. I, I would be the one who go, man, we had an awesome service today at our church and the preacher was amazing again. You know, I just, you would think I would do that. But I'm probably the worst at not saying what I think we should all say. What, what would happen if we all did this, put this into practice and begin to practice this, but people came up to us on Monday and said, how was your weekend? You said, Sunday was incredible. You know, I go to a church called Holly Springs, and we met God on Sunday morning. I sang to him, and I praised him, and I thanked him for everything that he had done. Then our pastor shared a little bit about what it meant to worship, and he did pretty good. But you know what? I was just glad to be with my family. I was glad to be around other brothers and sisters in Christ, and I look forward to every Sunday. Wouldn't that be crazy? It's really not crazy. I mean, it's really what we should be doing. If you look at Psalm 43, let me read it to you one more time. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, and they will put their trust in the Lord. Boy, let's, let's try to put that into practice. Ryan, will you come on up? And as Ryan comes up, let me read to you one last quote. I kind of want to leave you with this. A.W. Tozer again, he said this, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship 
is not ready for heaven. Let me read that to you again. I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. You want to get ready for heaven? Get excited about what happens on Sunday morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you're an amazing God and that you're so worthy of our worship. God, as we spend a few more moments just worshiping you and loving you, may you be exalted and may you be lifted on high and may all men be drawn to you because of it. And that's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a few moments, I'll...